Hey, what's up, everybody? Here we are in Tribeca, the new home of police <laughs> off the cuff. I'm here with my partner in law enforcement, Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill? Hey, how you doing, man? So Before, great to be here. Yeah, me too. Before we shout, uh, give a shout out to our, our engineer on the ones and twos, Rashad. What's up, Rashad? Rashad's, Rashad our producer, to- give it up for Pam. What's up, Pam? How are you? <laughs> Pam's got the grease board there with her notes. And we got a guest today. His name is uh, Kevin, right? He's Irish, and he's in the house. He's from Dublin. He says he's going to do another podcast. I don't know if I believe him or not. But without further ado, we have a fantastic get, uh, guest, somebody that we've been trying to get for a long, long time. She played hard to get, but we finally nailed it down. <laughs> Let's give it up for Barbara Butcher, folks. Yay! Yay. And we didn't make up that name. That's really her That's name. That's really her yeah. name. And if you're not from New York City and you don't know who Barbara Butcher is, let me just give you a little. Uh, she was the chief of staff at the office of the medical examiner of New York City. I had the uh, the pleasure of having her show up to some of my crime scenes, uh, possible homicides. And let me tell you something. There was nothing nothing like seeing Barbara come through the door, man. She And she still looks beautiful. <laughs> it's been a couple of years, but you still look amazing. It's been a lot of years. A lot. Thank you, though. You're How long were you? Were, 20, 27 years you were? 20, uh, no, no, 24 years? 23 years. Um, with the chief medical examiner. With the chief medical examiner in New York City. And about a little more than half of those years were spent on the streets with you guys. That's right. Doing cases, investigating deaths, and having a hell of a good time while we did it. All right, so here's what happens. If you have a, a, a body, a DOA, that's, um, it looks suspicious, what do we do, Bill? We call the office of the chief medical examiner, and they send out a team of medical legal investigators who actually go after crime scene. Our crime scene unit does their act first. <laughs> they film the scene, they do whatever they do, and then the medical legal investigators come there and they do the forensic investigation, which is taking the temperature, checking for wounds, looking for petechial hemorrhages. Pretty fucking smart guy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he used to That's teach it. He used good. to teach it at, uh, That's good. at the Monroe College. In case, in case you missed the bus, his face was on. Did you ever see that? Yeah. yeah you saw that, right? Yeah. It was like haunting you everywhere you go in the city, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so you used to basically you showed up at the crime scenes and you determined whether it looked like it was uh, a suspicious death, right? Yeah, we used to, you know, make the determination. Like, I always saw it that the scene belonged to you guys and the body belonged to us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, most of the time I'd try to work with crime scene. Absolutely. So I could see what things they did. They could see what things I did. It, you know, made it, work, it, made, it made it work better. Um, yeah, we did, God, how many thousands of scenes in the city? And it says you went to 680 homicide scenes. That's right. Wow, that's amazing. It's 680 homicides, and my total case count is 5,000. Oh, my God. But those weren't all scenes. So Do you, do you have nightmares? No. Are you kidding? Yeah, but you wouldn't that's tell good. us anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta no. have, wait, you got to have some PTSD, no, but, uh, I bet. Yes, right? I we, have we're PTSD. We're jumping the gun here. Wait, yeah. well, let's, let's, let's build up towards this. Um, well, first of all, let's just start from the beginning. Where are you from? Uh, born in Brooklyn, raised on Long Island in Massapequa Park. Wow. I grew up uh, in Levittown. We were almost neighbors. That's right. I was probably over there looking for... No, not drugs. <laughs> no, no. Uh, trouble. Trouble. Were you probably a good trouble. student? A good what? A good student? Even early on? Yeah. Yeah, I was good. Lazy, but smart. Uh-huh. Yeah. And did you have a curiosity for... Because you worked... Basically, your job was 
you were always around dead things, dead people. Actually, as a little kid, I started very, very young. I like to dissect dead animals to who, see what who, happened. Who likes it? So, that's one of the signs <laughs> of a serial killer, right? Too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a serial killer or medical examiner. Wow. It's all the same, you know. Continue. So, how do you go about that dissecting animals? Well, you know, I I, I told. One of my my uncles, who who was like a, in, into biology, I told him I want to dissect these animals, see what's inside them, see what happened to them. See, he gave me a scalpel and wow. some tweezers. Then I told my parents that for How Christmas, old were you? I started when I was about ten. Okay. Wow. And I told my parents for Christmas I want some dead animals. Oh and wow! For, honest to God, so they actually there's a catalog where you can get these little dead animals like frogs and stuff preserved in um, formaldehyde. Mm-hmm. So I'd get them and I'd cut them up. Then they got me a microscope so I could look at them. Ah, it was a strange little girl. Did you know what you were, did you start to learn what you were looking at? Were you also studying that part of it or you just I don't know. Yeah, I just wanted to see what was inside there. So you must have been heaven when you got to high school and you started dissecting frogs. You knew it. You're like, this is nothing. You got to see what I do in my backyard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I told my father, he said, what do you want to be? I said, oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to find out what makes things tick. He said, Jesus Christ, I'm a cop. If you think you're going to college, you got another thing coming. Wow, wow. Your father was on the job? Where did he work? Oh, yeah. He was, uh, in, he was a deputy inspector when he, when he went out. On this job? Yeah. Wow. And Adam Butcher. Uh, but this is way before you, before you were born even. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he uh, started out in Brooklyn. He was captain of the 7-7. Did 19th. you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, but nobody went into the job. No, Some no. of my cousins. But did they also did they did they help you dissect your animals? No, I was the oldest of nine kids, and they were scared of me. Nine? Wow. Yeah, of course Look, they were. I, 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 I was one of I was the third of eight. No kidding. Look at this yeah. man. These cops, they don't know how to put that thing away. You know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any money, but they got a lot of energy. That's, that's, that's fair. You know? <laughs> they just keep having kids. Yeah. You know? Who's yeah. messing with their oldest sister when she's out there? Right? They sit with a scalpel. Oh my yep. god. So you start this curiosity, I guess it just kept blossoming, right? Yeah. You never lost interest in it. Yeah, I did a lot of different things. I was working as a physician assistant, working in surgery, of course. Wow. I like cutting stuff. And You were uh, a PA? Yeah, I was. So that was your first job out of college? Uh, no, I had I kicked around with a few more things. I did a little bartending. I Where'd you go to college? Partying. I went to uh, Long Island University in Brooklyn. LIU. Yeah, LIU. <laughs> My uncle played baseball for them. Yeah, it was a great. It was a fun school. And in then Brooklyn? I went to uh, yes. Then I went to Columbia for the for the master's degree. Now, do you need to be an MLI? Do you have to be a physician's assistant? Back then, you had to be a physician. What is that MLI? Medical Med- legal investigator. Okay. Back then, you had to be a physician or a physician assistant. We had guys in Staten Island and the Bronx who were physicians doing this part-time. And that's a lot of education for it a is. job that doesn't pay a hell of a lot of money, right? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, but now they've relaxed the rules a little bit. It was so hard to get people to do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, now they allow forensic anthropologists to wow. be investigated. They had a lot so. of them on the World Trade Center. I remember right. I found some bones, and they go, oh, no, that's a turkey. Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember that one on the, on the chain of evidence, the line that, that one of the determinations was whether it was a human uh, piece or, or right. from an animal. Right. Yeah. So let's go back. So now you're, you're, uh, you're in high school, then you go to college, and then you become a fish assistant, and 
None of this was satisfying. You still wanted to get back to um, the science part of it, the dissecting part of it? Well, you know, it was weird. I was, after being a physician assistant, I I became like a hospital administrator, but I was bored and all those things. So I go to a career counseling service, and they said, um, we'll give you all these tests and figure out what Mm -hmm. what you'll be good at, what, what you should do. And I think Minnesota multiphasic and preferential and blah, blah, blah. At the end of it, they said, you should be a poultry veterinarian or a coroner. What does that mean, poultry? <laughs> I know, poultry. Working on chickens, that's it? Exactly. I said, well, I said, why it's chickens? It's a pretty narrow field. I said, why chickens? <laughs> they said, well, if you work with puppies and kittens, you know, you get upset when they die. It's too much for so you did emotionally. So did you give Frank Perdue a call? No. I said, <laughs> I said chickens, well, you know. So he says... Um, they, um, uh, chickens have beady little eyes and you won't get attached to them. Nobody cares about chickens. I said, you know what? I'll take dead guys. So <laughs> they said, call the person in New York that has the absolute best, uh, job you can think of. So I called Charles Hirsch. I said, would you talk to me about your job? They said, How did yeah, you know? Sure. You knew him beforehand? I'm well, sorry. If you hear papers. a lot of any noise in the background, we got construction going on here in the building. They're redoing the whole studio for us. No, I'm kidding. This yeah. is, this, <laughs> yeah, this is it. But um, so you knew J- Charles Hirsch beforehand? Well, I knew the uh, the name. I mean, he's he was yeah, in the papers was, and things. Yeah, yeah. So I called him. He said, sure, I'll talk to you. And I came in and... Did uh, you send him a headshot beforehand? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what you He probably got a lot of those yeah. <laughs> from a bunch of dudes that never never uh, got a chance for that meeting. Yeah. So, um, so you went in, you actually sat down... I sat down and talked to him. He was a young fellow at that time, right? Yeah, yeah. And he uh, he introduced me to all, to all his staff. I went and looked at an autopsy, and they said, "How'd you like to work for us?" I for those said, of you who don't yeah. know, Chief, uh, Charles Hirsch was he was the chief medical examiner of, uh, for the for the medical exam. He was the whole chief. city, yeah, yeah. City yeah and York, he yeah. was uh, he was how long for years, right? Oh, I don't know, thirty 40 years, years, thirty yeah. years. Who knows? But it, it, he was. He was a the gentle soul, man. and he yeah. had a great sense of humor, very, very dry wit. When I used to bring him up at the, to speak at the uh, homicide course, a lot of, you know, you got 250, 300, um, you know, investigators from all over the country there. And sometimes they're chatty in between speakers. And he, one thing I loved about him was he never raised his voice. He started off at a nice, even pace where most speakers would, you want to be, uh, you know, over the top. So you grab everybody's attention. Uh, he would be very subtle and soft-spoken until every the room dropped. I learned a lot from him. The room dropped, and they listened to it. And the first thing that he said at the end of it was a joke. It was a punchline. They're like, oh, my God, this guy's funny. Yeah. And then they had to listen more, so they would quiet down even more. And before you know it, he had the whole room in his palm of his hands. He never raised his voice, and he was brilliant. Well, that's because his yeah. audience never talked back to him. He <laughs> 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 waited a long time for that joke, Phil. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting. Yeah, I was waiting for the opening. <laughs> oh God! Anyway, yeah, he was so, a great uh, man. And there was so the other he, guy, Flowenbaum, was Flomenbaum. his assistant, right? Flowenbaum, uh, Mark Flowenbaum, was the deputy chief yeah. back then. Because they gave the most fascinating uh, lectures on uh, 9/11. Not know. mine. Uh, you were great too, <laughs> but I mean, he spoke about the reason they didn't find a lot of the bodies was right. because they were turned into gas basically they vaporized. were just vaporized yeah. yeah and that was people i i would imagine if you lost a loved one that way you wouldn't want to hear that right but, but scientifically that's what happened he said there was never ever in the history of mankind that amount of force dropping down 
Yeah. Well, there actually no. was, but that was a cataclysmic event. And that Hiroshima. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, when, when the floods or whatever you believe in, the meteorite that hit the earth that caused the floods like six and a half thousand years ago. I mean, that was the magnitude. Do you, have a, do you have a degree in astrophysics? No, but I listened to uh, <laughs> and I've read about, upon it. Anyway, back to, back to, um, back to Hirsch. So you, you went in and you had this meeting with Hirsch and he, he offered you a job right there on the spot? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that too. I, that imagine, that, imagine that meeting. He's like this. You give me a resume. He's like, yeah, who's gonna need that? Uh, yeah, yeah. You want to work here? What? What do you do anyway? Yeah, put us, give us something. Has that ever happened to you, Mark? Where you walked in and got a job yeah. on the spot? No, no, not in. Uh... Me neither. Me neither. It never happened to me. So, so uh, you started working on what capacity there? Uh, I started out as an investigator, or well, as a trainee. Um, you know, you had to have the medical background, but they put us through three months of following everybody around and, and, and working cases and working autopsy. Then I went to the homicide course, NYPD. Then I went to the FBI course that they had. Wow, you got all the good courses. Yeah, it's amazing. I, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get any of that amazing shit. Amazing what, what they do <laughs> to get a hot blonde on the step. Yeah, right, yeah exactly. Yeah. Give her the homicide course, the FBI <laughs> course, and any other fucking course we have. That other guy, Cannon, fuck him. <laughs> so now you're ready and you start working there. Um, was like I can't imagine what the, the first couple of days were. That, uh, you were. You, they call it the meat wagon, right? Is that what they call it? Well, you guys did. We, I never said that. But I, I there is, there's a truck. And there's a truck. A, a van, and it says OCME on it. And when that's parked in your neighborhood... It's not a good sign. Good. Somebody's no. dead. Somebody's yeah. dead. And uh, you you guys would go out in the in the, in the the van, and you'd go to your, mm -hmm. uh, your homicide scenes. And uh, I, I would imagine it takes a little bit of getting used to. Well, I, like, there's so many things that like the smell at a homicide. Mm, yeah, the bodies. Like, even though you were dissecting out animals at the time, when you were they, were they were in formaldehyde. When did you start getting really exposed to dead bodies? Often, you know, right right from the get go. When I was in my training, they sent us down to see some autopsies, and uh, the first time they did a decomposed body that they flushed out of the river, I just yeah, I couldn't disgusting. believe yeah. that smell. That Who does the horror. autopsies? The forensic pathologists, okay. but we had to, you know, participate, observe, learn, and there is no smell on earth like that. Know, that was hard to get used to. It's bad. It's really, really um, bad. But you know what else was hard to get used to? Like I go back to what ninety two was when I started the job. That's when I got on the job. And walking into a scene full of detectives, mostly male <laughs> officers. And I'd come in and I'd say, hi, I'm the medical examiner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming to your neighborhood. That, that's nice, honey. Yeah, wait, wait over here. You know? uh -huh. So that took some getting used to, like letting those guys know, hey, I know what I'm doing. Right. I'm, here to, right. I'm here to help. I'm here to work with yep. you. You know, let's work together. You know, so many but detectives have such huge, huge egos because I, I was a boss of detectives. I was a yeah. sergeant. And even though you're a sergeant, they don't really consider you in their you know, oh, yeah. in their in their team. Well, I didn't say team, but then you're not a detective. You're a boss, you know. Yeah. And so many of them have these, what I would call, they would hypothesize and theorize on the oh, homicide yeah. before anything was clear. And I would say, shut the fuck up and stop hypothesizing and theorizing and start typerizing your reports. You right. <laughs> they used to, Hirsch used to tell me, take your hands off your ears, put them over your mouth. Yeah. Don't get theories. Just just listen, observe, listen. Isn't just, that the truth, just right? Just get it all. What are you listening to? What the detectives are talking about? 
What other uh, the family members? Okay. You know, I mean, how much information did we get from people just standing there chatting, sure. right? Um, and uh, you know, the, let's face it, it was a dick waving contest. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. there was uh-huh. there was a lot of guys yeah, but you know what? When I, when, I actually, when I actually got uh, to to work with you and you showed up at our our scenes, by that time you already had that veneer, that very very tough veneer. You came in there, you were like in complete control. It wasn't. This shy, timid girl. I mean, you'd walk in. It was almost like a TV, a movie character. <laughs> you had high heels on. You That's had a right. skirt on. Uh, the only thing that differentiated you from like being like a businesswoman or like uh, you know just some of lady walking down Fifth Avenue was the fact that you had that that windbreaker on that said OCME on it. That was the only thing. And, and your little baggy tricks. She even demanded a, uh, a designer Tyvek suit. Well, she had, Calvin yeah. Klein. I'll tell you what she demanded. She demanded a lot of respect when she got to the scene. Because when Thanks. you got to the scene, yeah, there was a lot of respect. Everybody, okay. But that's the irony of it. If you're going to film this, it's the beginning of it when you get there and everybody's like, stand over here. But And then at the end, not the end, but right in the middle, once you started really having control of it, you'd get there and everybody back up, let her go. Let her go. Let her go to that barber. Let her go. Yeah, I, it... it I mean, I have enormous respect for detectives for and for NYPD. Why? And, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is the hardest job. It's all it's, it's my job kidding. and your job is the uh-huh. hardest damn job. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty quick that we started really working together and everybody cooperating. And they said, "All right, she knows something. Let her in." Yeah. And uh, it was wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Well, but, well, you know, well, well you know, the work you do though is sort of it's it's prepping it for the pathologist who's going to come up with the final determination. I mean, you're going to come up with, yeah, this is a homicide or this is looks like a, a suicide or a strangler, whatever it is, but the pathologist is ultimately going to come up with the... Uh, yeah, but, you know, the pathologist is seeing that body on a table, just right. a, a naked body on a table with a gunshot. You can't tell if it's a homicide, a suicide, or an accident. Right. You know, those guys that play him with their guns that shoot themselves in, right between the eyes. So his first shot is his last shot is his best shot. But... <laughs> They, um, we established whether or not it was suspicious, first of all, not right. a natural death, then um, whether or not it needed an autopsy, and what were the circumstances of the death, homicide, suicide, accident, or natural. Right. Then you do the autopsy and get the exact cause of death, uh-huh. and then the manner of death based on our investigation. To give you, uh, our audience, uh, just a little bit of example, I had a case, and when we get there, um, Definitely thought it was a homicide. It was a guy, when you looked at this guy. This guy was face down in his living room. It looks like somebody beat the crap out of him. His face was so badly disfigured and beat up. Um, when you get there, you look at the body. There was no bullet wounds. There was no stab wounds. And then you always you go, "Hey fellas, can you give me a hand turning over the body?" Which nobody wants to do that. Anyway. <laughs> so we turn it over. And he look at his, and that was the thing that his face was just destroyed. Like wow, somebody. And then you start looking around, and there was no evidence of foul play in the apartment. Nothing was moved. There was no sign of a struggle. Nothing like that. And then you looked at his arm. I remember, and he had track marks. He was uh, obviously a heroin junkie. And you look at the size of his belly because this guy had this big belly. And he looked at the chair that was turned over. And you said, uh, you go to us. Uh, you know what I think. I think he, uh, you know how you do that heroin nod like this? Yeah. He was so ho- top-heavy that he fell over and he landed right on his face. 
And then, and, and then I, w- I was like, wow, that was pretty great. And the, f- the worst part of it all, was <laughs> <laughs> it's just, this is the way, this is the way thing. Nobody did this on purpose, but when we put the body back, his face was already like, just, it just hit the back to <laughs> the apartment floor, like, like Ooh. that. It made this sound like, but the nose was inside the head already. <laughs> so it made that, so it's just a flush sound that I'll never forget in my head. Um, but that that's exactly what it's like. You came there, you made that determination. We all thought it was a homicide. We all thought, and I was yeah. catching it too, so I was already getting nervous. I was like, wow, this is going to be my case right now. I'm going to... Well, how many times did we go to an apartment where you'd see like a bloodbath? It looked like a butcher shop. There was, excuse me, there was blood everywhere. <laughs> and then you find that, you know, you'll exa- we examine the guy and we see that, you know, clearly he's an alcoholic because he's got 72 empty bottles in the, in the doorway and he's, you know, got the garbage full of beer. And uh, you look, there's a tiny little cut on the side of his head. Uh-huh. But alcoholics bleed like hell when they get cirrhosis. Uh-huh. And we go around the apartment and see that it was all his handprints, his footprints, that he was just walking around the apartment drunk and bleeding to death. That happened, I can think of like three cases, wow. where the apartment looked like it was a slaughterhouse. Turns out to be just another poor drunk. Tell us about a case that wasn't so easy to solve. Maybe one of the, maybe something that's maybe even bothers you or still troubles you to this day. You're still not 100% sure about something that... Tell us about one of those cases. Mm, God, there's so many of those. Um, there was one that really bothered me. Uh, this guy, he's rich as all hell, and he buys his wife like a nice little uh, boutique that she can run. Uh-huh. And she's, she's a beautiful younger woman dressed in like a Chanel suit. And apparently he commits suicide by injecting maybe some insulin into himself. And thinking... Well, first of all, is he diabetic? She said, yeah, he was a little diabetic. A little bit. And then I said, "Um, who called 911? She said, well, I called his doctor, his psychiatrist, who told me to call 911. I said, oh, who's his psychiatrist? She said, here. Here comes this really good-looking young guy, sharp suit, <laughs> really hot. And the two Can't of them, stuff up, man. they got major chemistry. I can feel it. These uh-huh. two are in love, this wife and this psychiatrist. So I sit down in my little, like, Columbo raincoat, you know, uh-huh. my cheap suit, my little heels. And I said, uh, you know, so, Doc, tell me about you know, this guy. I said, did you treat his, his uh, depression or something? He says, no, I treated his diabetes. I said, wow, are you an endocrinologist? No, I'm a psychiatrist. I said, why would you treat his diabetes? Uh, Because I understood him. Oh, good. And I'm perfectly well capable of doing these things, you know, very. And the wife was at, yes, uh, he was most favorably disposed toward Dr. So-and-so. And I just knew that there was something going between these That's where two. science collides with common sense, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it just, it made no sense. But on the autopsy, yes, he had an overdose of insulin. I couldn't find where he injected himself, why he did this. He had a little girl. Like, maybe he found out about his wife and the psychiatrist doing each other. I don't know. Right. But I could never prove a thing. Uh, I think it went out as a copy. Right. But Circumstances undetermined pending police investigation. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whatever happened to those two. You I know, wish I could remember their names. It's funny that you They're mentioned probably it married. I was going to answer. I, I was thinking about. A lot of these TV shows and movies that we watch, they always, um, like if you watch CSI, it looks like 
the crime scene people are the ones solving the case. If you watch, I don't know, if you used to watch uh, Quincy with, remember Jack Klugman? Oh, God, yeah, I love that Is that, that your show. favorite show? Oh, yeah. I kid, I <laughs> love that show. I used, yeah. to, I used to watch it, too. But you, you would think that the medical examiner uh, is the one solving the cases. But here you're telling us you actually do kind of sort of step out of your boundaries a little bit, and you actually did... You're doing some investigative work there, having an interview with somebody? Sure. I mean, that was the most fun. Did you document that on a five? Oh, the, well, the detectives were right there with okay, me. Okay, good. We were doing this together. Oh, All no, right, I would good. never question a witness on my own. Uh-huh. No, I had the guys with me, and we were just, you know, back and forth with them. They'd ask a question. I'd ask a right. question back and forth, and we'd sort of tag team it. But that's, that's why it's so important for you to uh, have a good relationship with the detectives and work together, not work Absolutely. against each other. Oh, yeah. You know? No, I loved, I, I, you know, I wanted to be a cop. But back then, when I was uh, of the right age, I wore glasses, and I was too female at the time. It I was going to ask you that. How come you just didn't become a cop or a um, detective? 1969, 1970. It wasn't a whole bunch of women on the force. Right, there wasn't. Yeah. yeah Plus, so. you probably would have had to wear the skirt and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the uniform. Yeah. Right. What, That's what, right. What was yeah, it? it was. You're right. Yeah. As dumb into, as it sounds now, that was the uniform. Right. They make you into school crossing guards, but I wanted to be like a real detective. Right. right. You mm-hmm. know. And then my father told me, he said, "Oh, Jesus, don't go on that force. They'll break your heart." They'll, they'll rape you and kill you and ruin your whole life. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was right. Ultimately. It was a tough <laughs> yeah. look. Even when when I came, I came in 1985. The old time cops were all. I, I'm not going to say all because nothing's all, but they were over, overweight. Yeah. They smoked cigarettes like they were healthy. Mm-hmm. They drank coffee like it was out of control. Yeah. And then they would want to give you advice on economics, <laughs> and they were all, they were all idiots with their own economics. <laughs> oh, take a pension loan every six months. It's your yeah. money, which was exactly the wrong the thing, wrong to, thing do, to do. You yeah. know. Yep. But you, you know, you'd listen to these guys because oh. That guy's got 25 years on you. would be like, wow, wow. And but, but, but then we quickly found out they don't know what they're talking about, these guys. Well, it's that's a different funny culture. You hair you know? bags. And there's hair a bags. story in the paper yeah. about the, the guy who's suing the department for $7 million because he lost his gig. The mayor's Gone office the mayor. detail, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. it's because they called him a hair bag. I love that term, hair bag. <laughs> you know, this is what you want to do, kid, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you're yeah. out there. How long does it take for you to get accumulate, uh, start getting your confidence on these scenes? I think within about six months, I started feeling it. And, you uh-huh. know, the reason I wore a skirt, a suit, and heels was because you got to dress for... Success. Success. <laughs> you got you to gotta dress like you look like you're somebody, like mm-hmm. an authority. I still tell those investigators who wear jeans and khakis and, you know, an old shirt, that don't do that. It makes you look like, right. a, like right. a little technician or something. You know, if you're a professional, dress like one. I think that's so the way society's going right now anyway, though. Nobody wants to, uh, they, they, we're losing, they're getting dressed up or for an occasion. People get, they, like, it's not even ironic anymore that you're wearing um, sneakers with your tuxedo at right. your wedding. Yeah. It's like everybody, it's, dude, everybody's doing it. It's so stupid. To, you may have to run. God yeah. forbid. <laughs> it's something about having a leather sole in your shoe that makes you stand up straight. Yeah. Rubber's too comfortable. You know, you're a man. You should have a, a leather sole in that shoe. It, it keeps you upright. It keeps you. You know what I'm saying? You're like a madman. You got to go have a couple of um, martinis at lunch. Yeah, so that, it all right. goes together. Yeah, <laughs> you're more of a professional. I don't know what I'm saying. Well, you know, detectives always dress beautifully. I some of those guys had some really nice yeah, suits. Yeah, but you yeah. worked a lot. You worked in Manhattan. Yeah. Well, well the, you know, yeah. it was the South. 
they had the, like the French cuffs and they dressed really good. Yeah. And they didn't have that much violence. In the North, we had DNA and blood all over our right. suits from all <laughs> yeah. the blood in the North. And I used to say that you guys are eating quiche, going to the best places to eat, and we're catching all the murders. Exactly. How yeah. long did it take before you can actually get used to the crime scene? Not, not, the, not the people now. Forget that. But, I mean, just so many horrific things that you walked into, man. It's like, this, like we talked about the smell. Mm. Um, this is the... One time I had a case with the guy, he died in his, li- another guy, he died in his living room, but apparently he had cancer or something like that. We thought he had a dog uh, because we just saw like mounds of shit everywhere and the fucking place <laughs> yeah. stunk so oh. bad between the dead bodies and the shit. And, and uh, I'm like, I don't see a dog. Where's the dog? Is the dog dead too? And they're like, no, no, that's human shit. Yeah. And so the whole place stunk so freaking bad. Now all of a sudden you're showing up. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> your, yeah. your little high heels, your yes. skirt. Hey guys, suicide! I'm yeah. out of here. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Did you I'm use leaving. the Vicks? Did you put the Vicks no, in there? No, you didn't waste your time, right? No, no, you don't. It makes do it that. worse. Yeah, because then every time you smell Vicks, you think of decomp. Yeah. You think of decomp. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so no, I never did anything like that. I just tried to get used to it. Oof. Tried to breathe shallow. It was horrible. Horrendous. But if you remember, if you smelled that on an empty stomach, you were sick as a dog, sick yeah. all day. It gets in your clothes. It gets in everything. So it's good to eat right before you get to a, a bloody, yeah. cr- a disgusting crime scene. That Is that what you're saying? That was the stench <laughs> of loneliness. And and Hirsch used to say, you know... You what, what is the stench of loneliness? Decomp. Someone yeah, dying yeah. alone. Somebody oh, yeah, dies yeah, yeah. alone. It's so and sad. No, yeah, it's, it's so, so sad. sad. Nobody checks on you for two weeks. Right, Come right. on. That's sad. Oh, we had one one that w- the guy was there so long that... You know, his body, I guess, it liquefied, then it's it seeped through the bed, and then it seeped through the floor. The ceiling, yeah. And the only way that people knew downstairs was because there was a spot, looked like it, there was a leak coming from there, and it was like dripping into their apartment. That was, yeah, that was yeah. the, uh, that was this, what used to be his skin. That's called putrefaction, oh. right? That's right. Oh, a purge is the liquid purge, that comes yeah. out of the body. It just, every, all the liquids start running out. It's just. That's a smell you cannot no. describe. It's unbelievably bad. The worst thing I've ever smelled. The smell of what was it again? The smell of what? The stench of loneliness. The stench of loneliness. That's so sad, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Died by yourself, so you can. I want to go out with the odor of partiness. <laughs> 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 just you walk into me, it just smells like a, a badussy. We used to call it butt ass and pussy. <laughs> Can, can still smell this guy's cologne. <laughs> it smells it's good for a DOA. His apartment smells like Badusi. <laughs> so, uh, so you're used to it now. Now you're in the mix. You're, you're, uh, you're, how do you rise above the ranks of everybody else now, though? Because how many are, are there? Uh, how many? Uh, oh, I think there was like do- 20 of us when I left. Oh, um, but throughout the whole city. Yeah. Yeah, maybe going 25 out, now. Actually. Going out in these vans and in, in every borough. Are you are you centralized in New York, or does every borough have their own little uh, OCME dispatch? Uh, every borough had their own OCME office with you know autopsy suites. Uh, we had Bronx, Queens, Staten Island, Brooklyn all had their own offices. Uh, now I think there's a bit more consolidation. Bronx doesn't have one. Uh, they go to Manhattan, and the Staten Island people go to Brooklyn. Their right. autopsies. So, yeah, we all, you know, we dispatch out of our individual boroughs. I always worked Manhattan. I insisted on that because I really wanted to see nice apartments. <laughs> you know, you, you know we used to you play You wanted to jokes. smell the stench of loneliness yeah. in a nice million-dollar apartment. But, you know, we used There's to There's a play better with. chance that you're going to get almost a, a little bit, a better scene yes, that yeah. scene in Manhattan than there is, let's say, in the Rockaways or in, you know what I'm saying, yeah. in the in South Bronx. 
But I, I loved looking at, I mean, the, the apartments and the buildings and the places we would go, you know, crawling around on rooftops and climbing through garbage and stuff. And, and, and some of the apartments, I mean, from the richest people in the world and art collections and stuff. And I remember going to a, a scene. We always play jokes on you guys. <laughs> and always. I, I go to the scene, and there's a, this one officer standing watch outside the apartment. So I put my jacket, took my jacket off, and I took my, uh, my case, put it behind the door. I said, oh, hi, I understand there's an apartment available, and it's rent-stabilized. Um, can I see it? He said, no, whoa, whoa, I'm sorry, Lena. What are you talking about? Uh, somebody died here. I know. And I heard it's a really nice apartment That's at a good quick. price. Can I just have one little look? This poor guy was so confused, and I kept saying, come on, come on. We have one little peek. And finally he said, oh, lady, please go away. You're really upset me. <laughs> so I said, medical examiner. Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah. Excellent. Let me ask something. That really Barbara. happens. And you know what? You probably weren't the first one there that day. Right, exactly. Barbara, let me ask something. Is there a, um, a national protocol for homicide crimes scene response from the uh, Office of the Medical Examiner? And some of these small towns, obviously, they, they have a problem with it because they don't really investigate many murders, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a huge problem. In the United States, 60% of the population is served by um, an elected coroner, and the rest are by medical examiners. So, for instance, upstate New York, to be a coroner and to investigate deaths, all you need is a high school diploma, a driver's license, and to be 18 years old. Wow. These guys don't know anything. So... Um, you can really get away with murder in, in a lot of areas. So <laughs> go for know sure. the towns that have coroners, right? You know, and the, so there's this national movement to train people uh, from all jurisdictions up to the standards of like an NYPD and a New York City medical examiner mm -hmm. level. So remember, you know that author Patricia Cornwell. Yes, yes. she gave me one million dollars to establish an academy, a forensic academy. Then I got a grant from the feds for a million. And we started bringing people from all over, from Podunk and After Frog you got back Lake. from Vegas, how much money did you make? <laughs> yeah, really, not that much. But we did, uh, we You had established that out of the OCME? Out of the OCME, okay. yeah. For, I think it was four years. Are they still doing that now? Nah. Once I left, you know. The they probably ran go. out of money too, right? Yeah, they ran out of money. and. Uh, but imagine that you're in a small town and there's a murder and people go there and they have no qualifications whatsoever, whatsoever. to it investigate it or solve it. It happens all the time. And it, so they call in usually the state troopers. Right, the state and police, yeah. state troopers have a better knowledge, but they're still not you know, medical examiners. And a lot of times the autopsy is done by a regular pathologist from a hospital, the same person who reads pap smears and when right, you have a right. wart removed. And now all of a sudden they're tracking 14 bullets through some guy's body in a... You know, in a shooting and blah blah blah. Right, so right. the bodies, the bodies. Um, you're used to those, right? And you used to. Is there anything that scares you? Like, are you scared of roaches or a spider or something? No. Do you no, ever pretend I, like you are just to so people? No. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'd be sitting at a kitchen table. What snakes? You're not scared of snakes? I don't like them, but I'm not particularly scared. What mm. am I scared of? It's what gotta be something. <laughs> I don't know. I, there is something. I'm you sure swim. Of it. No, oh, that's you know what it is. I'm a I'm a safety security freak. Land lover. A land lover. If I see uh, like I check the smoke alarms every month, mm -hmm. everywhere, not just my house, but my friends. Oh, you do? Yeah, uh, I'm Can a you lunatic. Check mine? I'm always afraid that. 
things are going to blow up, go on fire. Um, if you see dead people every single day dying in these horrible ways, you start to think, you know, that's the norm. That's how everybody's right, going right, to die. Right. So I'm wary of strangers. I don't walk close to the subway edge, you know, because I know somebody's going to push me. I don't do that me. either. Yeah, somebody's going to push me, of yeah, course. Yeah, I don't do that. So I don't check the... Um, Smoke detectors. I didn't know about that. But no, do that. Gonna... Do that. You got to check your smoke detectors all the time. I also don't. When I'm crossing at the walk, I always stand back. I stand behind a pole just in yeah. case he's coming up here. He hits me, and I always have a body or two on the side. I could just throw it away if I have to. Exactly. <laughs> from this way, you know what I'm saying. Make sure you stand in the crosswalk lines because if you do get hit, you get more money on the lawsuit because really? you're in the crosswalk. Yeah. If you're okay. outside the crosswalk, then you're jaywalking. No, that's not good. So that's yeah, not. I don't good. do that either. I don't jaywalk. I and I told my kids that i always walk to the corner yeah make yeah. sure i get to the corner you make much more money that way well i mean if you live could you um there was a really interesting case in um in the wire and i, I took because for, forensically this really interested me and the, the the scene was in prison a guy strangles a guy yeah. and then he hangs him from the doorknob with a piece of rawhide yeah and to make it look like he hung himself yeah but the problem is and you know this dead bodies don't bruise that's right. right. So the rawhide should have made a bruise if he was alive when that's he was right. Right. That's so right. I was like, "That's great," because like months later they revisited that case and they said, "Wait a minute, there was no bruising on his neck with that rawhide." Right. He must have been murdered. Right. I, I thought that was so cool because yeah. talk about a case like that. that you well, had. you know what? Speaking of that, tell us what your opinion is on Epstein. So we're going to talk about a case like that. I'm calling the Epstein case a semi-assisted suicide. I, I know it was a suicide because I know the people who went to the scene. I know the autopsy, the person who did the autopsy. I know everything about it. It is a suicide. But it was, I call it semi-assisted because the two corrections officers went away for eight hours and they sat in the general area and surfed the internet. They didn't check on them for eight whole hours. And, and they're supposed to check on him, I think it was like every... Every 15, half hour. Every, every half, half hour, hour yeah. right. Then his roommate got transferred out that day. But they said they were busy. No, they were You were surfing wing. the Look net. at the videotapes. I'm just saying, that's what their were excuse on, was. Were they, they on weren't. Pornhub? I don't well, know, they but said they, they were They indicted. said that they, were on, they worked overtime or something like that and were exhausted. That was the, ex the initial excuse, I remember. Yeah, so how come on that day, for eight whole hours, they didn't check? They didn't do one little safety check? Plus, they got Not rid one. of his roommate. Yeah, his roommate was gone. Uh, he ran with the most powerful people in the world. Yeah. Uh, Prince Andrew, Bill Clinton, uh, all the Saudi Arabian sheiks. Mm -hmm. And the last thing on earth they wanted was to have this guy testify because yeah. he had right, everything right, on right. him. So you think somebody put a gun to his head and said... No, <laughs> I th he, he had already tried to do it himself uh, mm -hmm. two weeks before. And he the noose broke, he fell... He's on the ground with bruises. So on somebody his head. held him up this time. Yes, this time. <laughs> so he absolutely should have been on suicide watch. So not yeah, only were they negligent and fall asleep, but they were supposed to be watching this right. guy. Right, he was yeah. on suicide watch for I think five days, maybe six, yeah. and then they're like, "Ah, he's okay, let him go." Which is bull, anyway. You can't do that, right? Right. Is that so, that's not protocol. That's not. It has to. It, mental illness and the thinking about committing suicide lasts longer than a week or two weeks it sure does and this guy's sitting in like a four by six cell that was had roaches and it was disgusting so he goes from the top of the world living in a private island and sleeping with 17 year old girls now he's sitting there like a miserable bastard uh -huh. and mm. 
the food stocks, the roaches are running around on his feet. And everybody says to him, you know, Jeff, you'd be better off if he just went goodbye. Right. So I, I think it was encouraged and the assistance was that the guards went away. Um, and I mean, gave him his moment to take care of it? Oh, eight whole hours. Yeah, yeah. How many times do you think he's trying to do it? In <laughs> Come on. Oh, and what's his name again? Epstein, what's his first name? Uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Come Epstein. on, Jeff. You got an idiot. One, <laughs> yeah. one more time. We'll watch you in the camera. Jeff, go ahead. Try, set up the Here's a again. stronger piece of raw. Yeah, Here's one right. more break. Right. Uh, Here's a better out. sheet for you. Time out. Jeff, Jeff, listen. You're not doing it right. How many times you got to tell you? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, and he had That's paper sheets uh, originally, and then all of a sudden he's got a real sheet enough to hang himself. Right. So is that what he used the sheet? A so the sheet, paper yeah. sheets they're they're made to, to break apart. If yes. they got to suck his sheets too, man. Yeah, man, it's I don't a think miserable. How many? How many? Uh, Especially, he must have had silk <laughs> sheets on that island. <laughs> how many yeah. threads do you think those sheets were? <laughs> He had sheets made out of virgin's hair or something. Oh, my God. You know, he, this guy no, lived out of Bill like Clinton's hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so who, who takes the rap? Two poor little co corrections officers and the... And let me ask something, too. You know what kills me? I When they bring the FBI in, what the fuck does the FBI know about homicide investigation? How many murders do they respond to a year? I, well, I, I, I want to kill. They said, the premier law enforcement agent. They don't know shit, the no. FBI. No, they well, could. I, I, it kills me. My guys investigate hundreds and hundreds of homicides. Are they, they see an FBI agent, they're like, get yeah. out of here. He's got you a know? bone to pick with them. I do. I mean, I, just, FBI, I think it's Barbara. pathetic. I, I it's agree. Pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> a little yeah, bit. They're not homicide. They're not homicide no, investigators. No, 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 no. You need boots on the ground for that, man. Yeah. Yeah, they're, I'd they're love to see them do a canvas up in Harlem. They'd be with their Ivy League suits. Yeah. They'd be shitting in their pants. Well, they pull Excuse up. They pull me. up and they get the. They got to get the flag jacket <laughs> yeah. out of the trunk. And then the, and it's the, four o'clock. We go home at four. That's when you start working. When the overtime right? clicks, you know, yeah. FBI. We're going home. It's four o'clock. So an assisted, <laughs> an assisted suicide. That's so semi-assisted suicide. Semi I'm so yeah, it. man. That's it's well, it's opposite than obviously a Kevorkian thing. Yeah. When you talk about assistance, but you're saying a semi, so they... They encouraged and abetted. They enabled. Do you think they might have even got some extra cockroaches and let them loose in his cell just to hurry things along a little bit? I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, whoever came to visit him said, Jeffrey, this is going to get bad. You're going to get, like, gang raped every day or something. Who knows? Who knows what they said they said because they were messing with him mentally. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 that's, I tell you, man, that's the best excuse that I've heard well, so Bill far. Bill Clinton, I heard, came in and goes, I'll feel your pain. I'll feel, <laughs> I'll feel your pain. I think yeah. you should do it. Well, they I probably had, you want to hang yourself. They had I'm probably FaceTime, FaceTime, uh, you know, people come with the phone. Yeah. 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 And Hillary <laughs> telling Hillary him. Hillary going, kill listen, yourself. You had two options. There's a war on women. Kill you yourself. You do it yourself and we're going to do it for you. Well, you see that, um. Ah, I forget what I'm going to say. But anyway, um, yeah. Oh, Prince Andrew. Yeah, last night. So Prince Andrew was one of his very close friends. Right, the royal family's having a fit. Last night he does an interview and they said, do you regret uh, having partied with and stayed with a convicted sex offender after his release? I said, well, to tell you the truth, not, not really. I, I wouldn't say I regretted my friendship at all. I found him a very interesting fellow. And Plus, he had 17-year-old girls at my yeah. disposal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. All the girls I was with were 18 and over. Yes, yes, a, a jolly lot of girls. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. 
So uh, that poor bastard. I mean, that was the stupidest interview I've ever seen. He just he blew it totally. Yeah, blew yeah it. he was trying to uh, fix the, the. That didn't go well. No, he probably, it didn't should, go well. He probably shouldn't have got interviewed. <laughs> yeah, I think he should have left. It oh, alone. well, they could have had a rehearsal, and then he could have like uh, throw that tape out. Let's yeah. do it again. What are they really? Who's well, watching you, that thinking it's going to be okay? Well, don't you love when the press calls it a homicide? It's it's just a homicide. The yeah, press called sure. it. They know. <laughs> or or they they pick a guy uh, uh, with a heart attack. You know, he's like he's running down the street screaming, "My heart, my heart! I've got heart disease and I've got a heart attack and I'm going to die!" And then all of a sudden he collapses forward and dies. And they say the medical examiner will determine the exact cause of death. <laughs> uh-huh. Like yeah. the heart attack wasn't good enough. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter how many clues. And then they'll speculate on everything else, right, that, right, you know, right. with no knowledge whatsoever. I, I love when they would say um, time of death, and you know, with the body temperature, and everything goes down three degrees the first hour, an hour. But yeah. also depending on the temperature of the room. That's right. But the best determination of time of death is witness. That's right. He was alive when I saw him at 12 o'clock. When I was a beginner, that's one of the first mistakes I ever made. I had this large, large family. There's like 20 people. The 92-year-old great-grandfather's dead. And the the wife, the the, the daughter comes to me and says, Oh, can you please tell me what time he died exactly? (laughs) I I want to have a mass said at that time for his soul. Oh, (laughs) please, please. I said, Oh, yeah, sure. So I go in the room and I'm examining the guy and I'm doing my little calculations, you know, three goes into four, gazinta, gazinta, multiplied by seven, rigor mortis, alga mortis, temper mortis, liver mortis. And I come out and I said, he died at approximately 11.30 p.m. <gasps> no! I saw him at midnight. What do you mean? How could he be dead? Oh, no, what happened? I talked to him at midnight. I talked to him. I forgot the most important question. When's the last time anybody saw so the guy alive, alive right? <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, I took all my little scientific calculations right, and threw them out the window. You. You know? true, right? Just yeah. to show you, man. Common sense. Common or he sense. actually made a phone call at Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, it was There's so a lot of those things. The guy gets shot, like, in the head, but he died of, like, something else, like a heart attack or something. Lead poisoning. Yeah. 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 Say. <laughs> you know? <laughs> lead poisoning. <laughs> he died from lead poisoning. Yeah. I, I used to love when I go into an emergency room of a hospital. Guy shot eight times, and it's a doc. Is uh, is he likely? And he'd say, "Nah, he's gonna be fine." <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you feel like, how can you be shot eight times and be fine? But yeah. I thought Adam Mom was here a couple of weeks ago. He said, "Yeah, emergency rooms are amazing. Yeah, they saved the well, lives nowadays, of people yeah. that twenty years ago were dead on yeah, arrival." Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. You now see it with the military, it's a unbelievable. Lot. A lot of these guys, these soldiers that come back, they're missing two, both arms, uh, have one leg, a half of the other one, their face blown away. How is this person still alive? That's why yeah. the military found out how to do it on the battlefield. And yeah. the emergency rooms are practicing. Pa- packs that's yeah. right. Stuff in you. Yeah, that's, that's that right. stuff yeah. they shoot into the wound, that's amazing. Yeah. Right? That oh, gauze yeah. they shoot Yeah, the glue. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. And now with uh, nowadays with um, all the opioid overdoses, oh. I'm sure you're bombarded with that. Maybe not so much in New York City, but the other states. And, and then they also have that thing that you can... Uh, Narcan. 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 They can yeah. give them... Uh, so these people are basically technically dead until you give them the Narcan, sure. right? Yeah, I mean, they're very close to dead. Usually they're you ever examining very somebody heartbeat. and they come back to life in the middle of it? It didn't happen to me, but it happened to Kenny Dotson in the Brooklyn office. He was, this this woman, she took an overdose of Valium, and this EMS pronounced her dead, and they're hanging out, and the 
Kenny gets there and he he's examining her. He's doing this and doing that, and then he's turning her over because he's going to take the te- rectal temperature. Ooh, and she goes, wake you up. She, "Yeah, that'll wake you up." She goes, "Oh, Kenny freaked! Oh my he God. freaked! I think he fell out on the floor." This is is nothing worse. You know, it's it's bad to touch somebody you think is alive and find out they're dead. But it's much worse if you think they're dead and, and they turn alive. out to be alive. <laughs> oh my God, that's horrible. So they revive, they jump, EMS jumps on her, they revive her, blah, blah, blah. Kenny leaves, he's all shaking. He says, Oh my God, I can't believe that. They call him back half an hour later and say, She's dead again. He said, Are you sure? <laughs> you know, you guys make up your mind for Christ's sake. Stories of the morgue. <laughs> Yeah, it was awful. It was awful. And there's always this, like, uh, there's gases that, that get out of the body, and the oh. body tends to move, like, a lot of times after it's yeah. dead. Yeah. Those it things does. scare you? Uh, the first time I saw that, a guy died in a van, and he decomposed. He was homeless, living in the van, and the poor the poor guy, living in this real ratty-looking thing. So uh, the, I was pretty new, and the, the police were having a good time with me. And they go, well, Barbara, go ahead, go in the van. We'll, we'll be out here. I said, oh, why don't you come in with me? Nah, 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 it's too small. Go on in. I go in there, and this guy is crawling with maggots. Oh, and he's so, he's so decomposed, and his flies, and his everything. And as I step toward him, I hear, <laughs> I didn't, and I, I screamed, and I leaped out of the van into their arms. Like, ah, help! It turns out, you know, the, as the gases escape, it makes them groan. Oh, and God. when his face crawling with the maggots, it looked like his face was moving, and he groaned, and I almost died. Oh, I, I lost it. And they, they're like, they're all laughing, and they go, what is it, Barb? And I said, um, nothing. I, I thought I saw a spider. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine, I'm fine. Oh, my God. Get but right back in the van. So you do of time get scared of death is, is the maggots, right? Oh, yeah. yeah they, you what's can, the incubation period like? Two weeks. You two can weeks, tell yeah. how, when the yeah. eggs are laid, when right. they turn into poop. Over. How about the dark? You scared of the dark? <sighs> no. No. Uh, in fact, I'm good in the are dark. You, um, did you get trained for uh, the firearms? Uh, no, but a couple of the guys used to take Let me you hold the their range gun? and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Barbie, you want to hold my gun? Yeah, a couple of the guys they take me out. You on never the range. went to you could have you got could have got a license really easy. You think? See, now I need one. No, uh, I don't think at it's the end any, it would have been hard because they changed the. No, no, no. It's not why not? Because they don't want anyone getting a gun permit, especially a carry permit. Now I'm days. talking about, but yeah. back in the day, everybody they were giving out the. the um, well, no, we had to sign a paper. Hirsch made us all sign a paper that we would not carry a gun. Well, really? Because, well, that's hey, interesting. We were, Why? Because we're all crazy. You know, <laughs> uh. so there was no need for a gun. Instead, what they bought us was bulletproof vests. Well, that makes so sense. I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I could see going up to the 3-4 back in the right. day. You'd want one on. Yeah, you know? I'd be up on the 3-4, and there'd be people on the streets screaming because some kid got shot. And they don't and, know who you are. You just you got the yeah. jacket on. It looks like a cop jacket. Right. Here's some stupid girl, and she's touching my friend uh, Desmond. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And so they were. They used to get a little well, Speaking angry. of that, you have a, we, we talked a lot about scenes that are inside apartments and inside yeah. dwellings. You still get called to scenes that happen outside in the street, right? Oh, yeah. And the yeah. weather is, the inclement weather, that's got to be a pain in the butt, too. Yeah, With the was, high heels and stuff in the snow. Sure, no, the heels are good for traction and oh, the really? ice. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and but the water, too. I mean, if you're, you got probably going, the way they pull the bodies out of the water, everything. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
many many a time those 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 floaters popping up in the spring uh-huh. you know that's that's how you know when it's when it's springtime in new york is all of a sudden Bodies the pop floaters up. pop up from the bottom oh, wow. right. springtime in new york that's a great yeah. scene to shoot the movie i know wouldn't that be lovely but uh no it, it, you know it w- always <laughs> struck me about outdoor scenes is that if it was especially if it was a some big shooting or something, and the body's on the street, and there was cameras around. And, you know, the inclination is, when you see a guy you haven't seen in a couple of weeks, hey, Bill, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, how's your kid doing? Yeah, still getting out of college? <laughs> and you're all talking and smiling at each other. You turn around, there's a TV camera right, looking right, at uh-huh. you, and it looks like you're having a hell of a good time at this homicide yeah, yeah, scene. Yeah. It's just work. This is yeah. my job. You know, I'm seeing my friends. I'm having a good time, and we're talking. Yeah. Now I'm going to get down to business. People used to get gotta be mad. Aware, we got to be, be aware of that. You know, bitch, the, what the hell are you laughing right. at out yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the press would actually try to get evidentiary stuff before we did. Oh, absolutely. And I would go yeah. off on them. Like, they would go to get the video that caught the shooting. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, dude, what are you doing? Yep. Oh, I'm, I want to slap the guy, you know? Yeah. Well, that brings up another interesting thing. You're out here, um, you know, doing your P's and Q's on what you believe is a homicide, what, what, what happened, and then all of a sudden... Um, they still could be collecting tapes. Yep. And you don't want to come up with a hypothesis. Or this is the, this is the way it's done. And then all of a sudden, they, they, the tape comes out. And it was like nothing like that, you know? Well, you know, that's changed homicide investiga- investigation overall greatly is that there's video everywhere. Yeah. Because now you have a point to start or finish. Oh, yeah. Gives you timestamps. Gives you all kinds of things. Yeah. A video has really, really changed the murder game. Yeah. Between... DNA and video, I think it's kind of hard to get away with murder yeah, in any big city Cell now. phones, too. And cell phones. Cell yeah. phones, the third, uh, yeah, I mean, leave your cell phone home, you want to do a murder. Yeah, right? exactly. If you <laughs> yeah. want to kill somebody. It's, it's tracking everywhere you go, you know. It's best to go out to the beach or the country or someplace, right. you know, way, way far no, away. Take someone hunting. That's yeah, the easiest way to kill yeah. somebody. Yeah. I saw these antlers come <laughs> yeah. out of that bush. <laughs> yeah, but the phone thing, it could be described too, especially nowadays. I mean, if you if I had you on a case and all of a sudden I can I can prove a pattern of you carrying your cell phone everywhere. You never lost it, you never left it behind, and all of a sudden today you left your phone behind <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you know, for, for That's three true. hours. I for, I you know what I'm saying? You'd have to explain that. Yeah. When did you notice that your cell phone was missing? Did you left it at home? No, yeah. I got I got a burner now, officer. That <laughs> <laughs> almost blew your case out of the water. Then. <laughs> so when you're watching TV and uh, TV and movies, is it hard for you to watch when the uh, the medical examiner office comes yeah. up and they they're doing it wrong? Yeah, it, it just pisses me off. Um, it, it just especially when they have there was one uh, a female medical examiner and she'd say I see dead people uh. and she would that when she got near the body she yeah. could intuitively oh imagine she see what happened to them uh, come on that was so that's ridiculous, ridiculous uh-huh. yeah. or they'd be like you know sure Bill that's an entrance wound from about eighteen inches <laughs> yeah, away yeah, I love the- and I see that the trajectory is up and to the right toward that. Uh, that tree, and if you look in that tree, I think you'll find a bullet bill. You know, you uh, know, yeah. Barbara, that became a huge thing with something known as CSI effect. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, it destroys jury pools uh, because uh, yeah. they think the police can do magic shit that they can't do, but yeah. they do it on TV. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, you could... Um, you could you could uh, shoot a guy in the middle of Fifth Avenue with twenty seven witnesses, three of them priests, four of them nuns, <laughs> and uh, it goes to it goes to trial, and the jury says, "Well, what about you know, 
no, there's no DNA. Where's the DNA evidence? Right. What the hell are you talking about? There's no contact between them. Mm-hmm. But people think you got to have DNA on Absolutely. everything. And if it's not there, you didn't do it. Yeah. They think in absolutes. You don't got DNA right? proof, they must not have done it. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that, that ruined a lot of people. Also. Because you work, um, you also do some work as a consultant now on TV yeah. shows and stuff like that. I, I did, I was a police consultant on the show. Um, do you give them the real answers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, ne- uh, I never did. <laughs> I wanted to stay on as a writer. Yeah. <laughs> they always I, believe it or not, this show is far fetched. Anyway, it was going to be a great show because the the head writer was a- Andy Breckman, and the show was based off of Hocus Pocus, um, a woman who could solve crimes by reading handwriting. Oh right, yeah, uh, graphology. Yeah, she so she wrote a book. So I for seventeen weeks I sat there, and um, you know every time they wrote a part, and they'd always ask me, "Cause this could this happen?" I would always, absolutely. What are you kidding me? Of course, <laughs> <laughs> because the writers, the writing, you know, they're spending all week writing. I come in one day a week. No, you that can't and evaluate the, and they, I'm gonna piss them off. They're gonna have to yeah. write more. I figured this out real quick. So I, if whatever they wrote, I was like, yeah, that could happen. Yeah. No, I, I consult. Just so with I'm giving you advice for your yeah. future consultant work. Uh, it's yeah, a, it that always that's happens. a good point. That, that looks good. How sure. much am I getting paid again? Yes, absolutely. That could happen. Yeah. You mean the cop used a magic uh, spray that tells you uh, what kind of blood it was? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Luminol. That's, that's luminol, <laughs> that's yeah. Right. Luminol. You probably got a kick out of the Luminol video. You ever see that one, the crime scene one? Yes. When they're looking on her the, sweater. The sperm, it's like yeah, all over her, got right, all of her right, face. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of you guys gave that to me, as a matter of fact. I think I you know what kills me on TV every time I, I cringe? First of all, Law & Order, when they make the arrest, they always read Miranda right on the scene. I cringe when I see yeah. that. And the second thing is when the detective, no matter how dangerous the scene is, he goes in before ESU. Oh, yeah. That is sure. like, no, Just that doesn't happen. Right but, saves time. But you know, you know, but the TV people would never allow that because the detective's got to go through the door first, you know. Yep, yep. And that yeah. doesn't happen. You know? I consult with a lot of authors, mystery writers, and um, a couple of TV shows I did. Everybody's dying to develop a forensic game show. <laughs> so they had me on three different shows where they'd have contestants investigating a scene and uh, you know, trying to come up with the answers. But it, it, it made no sense. It, it right. just didn't make any sense. These people, they were like regular citizens. They didn't know what to ask. So they'd be like amateur sleuths. Yeah, they they well, thought they knew a little something. Right. Bill was talking about that the other day, about an article that he read. And it was written by somebody who basically was critiquing online detectives. Right, right. Yeah. They do all their investigative work from the luxury of their, their living room. Right. While they're, well, that's how they do and their And through talking to people, to other people. Sure. Like it, and they were talking about the uh, Gilgo uh, serial oh. killings. Oh, that case. And that yeah, amazes that's me. amazing to me. I Maybe we'll touch case. upon that in the next hour. Yeah, but yeah, we right. gotta, that's, we gotta, uh, yeah, that's pretty amazing. I mean, Would you believe an hour went by that quick? It's, no. It's, you know what's, oh my God. what's tough about that, and we'll get to it later, is that it's amazing all the evidence they had, but yet it's still unsolved. I know. You know? That's a crazy case. Which case you talking crazy. about? The Gilgo, uh, there's like, Ten bodies, eleven Ten bodies? Ten bodies and maybe more because they yeah. also, there was Manorville bodies. Yeah. Not far from because, And some of the bodies were found years before. Right. So well, they were dumped jobs. I don't know jobs. anything about this case. Yeah, so we yeah. gotta, I want to hear How more you, about oh, it. Oh, this is the best case there yeah. is? All right, so we're going to start best. off for the next hour with the Gilco case. But in the meantime, we're going to take a break. I'm going to refill my, uh, my tea here. And um, I want to thank you for sitting with us for the first hour. And uh, that, that flew by. Was it hard? Uh, no, that was very easy. It was very easy, nice. right? It's yeah. like having a conversation. Imagine we were drinking in a bar. It'd be the same thing. I have a funny feeling like the second hour is going to be even better. Tune in. Okay, we're going to take a break now. What's in our... 